This is a reposting of my original podcast with the 15 minutes of silence deleted and a new short addendum by the author. Gentlemen, let the tedium begin. Welcome to another Quack Cast, a skeptical and sarcastic evaluation of quacks, frauds, and charlatans. Oh, blew it again, sorry. I mean alternative and complementary medicine. Or preferably supplements, complementary and alternative medicine, i.e. scams. This podcast is done in November 2008. And there's going to be an update on acupuncture. This is brought to you by a side project of Pusware LLC, the publisher of the Persiflazer's Annotating Compendium of Infectious Disease Facts, Opinion, and Dogma. Your uber hyperlinked electronic guide to infectious diseases available at Pusware.com, where you will also find the Persiflazer's podcast, a bi-weekly review of ID, that's infectious disease, not intelligent design, that is now CME accredited. Before we move on to the topic at hand, let me pause here and suggest that if you have not already subscribed, log on to iTunes and go to the Skeptic's Guide to the Universe. I assume that most of you already listen to this excellent podcast, but if you haven't and you need to keep your general critical thinking skills up to date, this is an excellent resource. Plus, they have been fool enough to interview me twice, so they are a podcast of rare intelligence and breeding. They're trying to get to 30,000 listeners, and if my four score and seven listeners are added to theirs, they may get to 30,000 that much faster. If you're still having problems with old iTunes feeds, please let me know. I think I have fixed the issue, and as best as I can tell to date, my current issues are all due to my pathologically inflated sense of self-worth and not my RSS feeds. I'm one of the few people to suffer from hyper self-esteem. The voices in my head tell me nothing but good things. So now we move on to the meat of the podcast. Or for you vegans, it will be a soy-based podcast. Since my last podcast on acupuncture, the medical literature has moved on. Studies are done, papers get published, papers get read, therapies work, therapies don't. New knowledge is generated as to the how and why of diseases and their treatment. And there are huge numbers of papers, 10,000 a year in my subspecialty of infectious diseases. And the result of this glut of medical literature is that I constantly have to refine my practice. I have to start new therapies when they are shown to be effective and even more painfully stop what I do when they have been proven to be inferior or ineffective or even worse, dangerous. And I'll tell you, it's a real pain in the ass to keep up. It takes time, a lot of time. And while we refer to it as the medical literature, it is not literature like Wicked, one of my favorite books, by the way, but it's more like the literature you would have if you were reading the phone book. It's dry, dry, dry. I think the journals have a special editing program that sucks all the life out of the fascination of medicine. But that's why I'm so envious of scams like homeopathy and acupuncture. They were discovered and defined in the distant past, and they are complete edifices that never need to be altered by something so pesky as reality and research. They do not have to worry about changing or abandoning ineffective practices or pay attention to advances in scientific medicine. So despite the fact that acupuncture makes no biologic sense, and despite the fact that the better the studies, the less the benefit of acupuncture, researchers keep doing badly done studies in a feeble attempt to show the efficacy of acupuncture or, more likely, keep their CVs up to date. 
Publish or perish is the motto, even if you have to publish crap. I am amazed, however, that people continue to waste the time and the money on clinical trials on interventions like acupuncture that, after reading the literature in its entirety, demonstrate beyond a reasonable doubt that they don't do diddly. But since when does overwhelming evidence change people's minds, much less send murderers to jail? Maybe what we need is a preponderance of no data, no evidence, to start a war, or uh, mean to disprove acupuncture. The clinical trials sure are not doing it. And it always boggles my little tiny mind that data doesn't change practice. It would be like real doctors continuing to publish research on theophylline for COPD or monotherapy for AIDS. These are examples of therapeutics that are definitively do not work, and we in the medical industrial complex have moved on. Not scams. They can't be falsified. No amount of clinical or biological research will convince the practitioners of this BS that what they are doing, in a word, is stupid. So today, I'm going to focus on a handful of the recent trials on the efficacy or lack thereof of acupuncture that will change no one's minds, even though they show that acupuncture is nonsense. The topics at hand are going to be acupuncture and knee pain, acupuncture and low back pain, acupuncture and hypertension, acupuncture and chemotherapy-induced nausea, and acupuncture and rheumatoid arthritis. As always, the references are on the website at quackcast.com. Article 1, a meta-analysis entitled Meta-Analysis. Ooh, clever. Acupuncture for osteoarthritis of the knee. And this was in the Annals of Internal Medicine for June of this year. I know, I know, I know, a meta-analysis. And I have talked about meta-analyses a few podcasts ago, but as I said before, meta-analyses are good if they support your prior held beliefs and they can be dismissed if they do not. Also, however, they are good reviews of topics. The Annals article was a review of randomized controlled trials that looked at osteoarthritis and the pain of wear and tear and the effect of acupuncture on the pain that osteoarthritis causes. The studies, quote, included only randomized controlled trials in which acupuncture treatment involved the insertion of needles in traditional meridian points. The needles could be inserted into tender points in addition to traditional meridian points and could be, da 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 that part's not in the article, electrically stimulated, end quote. And this gets to my recurrent picky point. There is acupuncture, which is the ancient Chinese technique whereby needles are placed in specific points along a meridian to alter qi flow and hence cure illness. There's putting needles randomly into people. These are not based on ancient Chinese principles about body energy, etc. And this is not acupuncture. And then there is putting electricity across the needles. This is not acupuncture, to my mind, but a modified TENS unit, TENS being a transcutaneous electrical nerve stimulator that have been known for years to decrease pain and are a proven efficacy in osteoarthritis of the knee. You put an electric current across an area that's painful, you will decrease the pain. So when you look at these articles on acupuncture, look to see which ones use electricity and you can dismiss them because they are not acupuncture as practiced by the ancient Chinese. To best of my knowledge, they did not have batteries or electrical outlets in ancient China. If all three of these forms can be considered acupuncture and used interchangeably, then perhaps when I do a blood draw or put it in an IV, I could call it, hey, open-bore acupuncture and double the bill. 
But to keep things clear for the purpose of this podcast, acupuncture is a scam practiced by the Chinese wherein needles are placed in the meridians to alter qi. The other forms of needling humans are something else and need to be evaluated separately. In the end, in this meta-analysis, they came up with 11 trials, four of which used electricity. And when you look at the pain and function tables to see which studies had the biggest effect on acute pain, it was those that used electricity. Shocking. Wah, 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 wah. But what a surprise. But what were the overall results of this meta-analysis? Well, I'll quote, compared with a sham control, acupuncture provided clinically irrelevant short-term improvements in pain. Compared with sham acupuncture, acupuncture also provided clinically irrelevant improvements at six months compared to baseline. I love that term, clinically irrelevant, like the Democrats stand on the war. I think it sums up all of alternative medicine, clinically irrelevant. I should change that to the title of my podcast. Welcome to the Clinically Irrelevant Podcast. But at least with this meta-analysis, my biases are confirmed. Good. I do not yet have to change my mind. Now, there's one other thing of note from this study, as in many studies on acupuncture, in that sham acupuncture is as good as real as acupuncture. And it should be safer, because they don't put the needles as deep, and it should be cheaper, because you don't have to pay for the overhead as an expert. So next time you think you need acupuncture, just pretend to put needles in your skin. You'll have the same effect. You don't need training to be an acupuncturist. And soon I'm going to release do-it-at-home bypass surgery. That's the wave of the future. But like so many other studies, acupuncture doesn't work. And when it does work, it's as good as having fake acupuncture. Study three. Just to confuse you, I'm doing the second study third. And I'm counting in Roman numerals. This one is acupuncture and low back pain. It was published in the Archives of Internal Medicine and was entitled German Acupuncture Trials for Chronic Low Back Pain. I have noted in the past the difficulty in using pain as a parameter to measure because there is a huge psychological overlay for pain. The subjective nature of pain makes response to an intervention problematic. It's nice to have an objective measurement. And there is with pain a Stockholm Syndrome in that patients do want to please their treating physician and may say they're better when they're not. And I also know from personal experience, having had a lot of pain inflicted on me over the years, how my experience of pain can wax and wane depending on external factors, especially if I am unloved, because it always wanes on the unloved. In the study, they had 387 patients in each wing who either had real classic Chinese acupuncture, wherein they put 14 to 20 needles about 40 millimeters in the quote, correct spot, unquote, or they had sham acupuncture, where they put a similar number of needles, but only one to three millimeters into the skin and were not the, quote, correct spot. Or they had what was considered to be conventional therapy. They had either two weeks of acupuncture treatments or two weeks of conventional therapy. And the conventional therapy was a hodgepodge of interventions. That included physiotherapy, massage, as the English would say, heat therapy, electrical therapy, back school, injections, and guidance. 
That is, and some in the conventional therapy also had infusions, yoga, hydrojet therapy, and swimming, as well as, of course, pain medications. So comparing acupuncture to, quote, conventional therapy, they really didn't compare it to anything at all. They looked at two back pain scales, and they looked at the effects of acupuncture up to six months, and they had the following results. Real acupuncture had a 47% response rate as long as six months. Fake acupuncture had a 44% response rate with decrease in pain, and the hodgepodge had 27%. In terms of pain scales, the acupuncture group had a decrease in their pain scores of about 27 compared to a decrease of 15 for the conventional therapy. And both acupunctures improved quality of life scores about 9 points versus 4 points for the hodgepodge therapy. This is, as usual, the fact that sham was as good as, quote, real, unquote, acupuncture. So again, save yourself money and time and get fake acupuncture instead. The curious thing, as best I can tell, is that the response rate in all the interventional group was excellent and better than I could find for most results of intervention for low back pain. As best I can tell from my reading, all the groups, including the conventional therapy or the hodgepodge group, did much better than average reported responses to back pain therapies. But given the great heterogeneity of both the interventions and the measurement outcomes in these back pain studies, I can't say for sure. I'm sure someone out there will correct me if I am wrong. But it looks like all the interventions in this study did better than the usual results in most back pain studies. There are some issues in the discussions that are worth quoting. First, they say, the unexpected finding of similar effectiveness of sham and real acupuncture forces us to question the underlying active mechanism of acupuncture and to ask whether the emphasis placed on learning the traditional Chinese acupuncture point may be superfluous. What do you mean unexpected? Haven't they been reading the literature? Virtually every study shows that sham acupuncture is equal to real acupuncture. And it takes this study to call into question the underlying action of mechanism of acupuncture? Again, aren't they reading the literature? I call this the Louis effect. How can he close me up on what ground? I'm shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on in here. You're winning, sir. Oh, thank you very much. Everybody out at once. They are uninformed at worst, and at best, they are being disingenuous. And they come up with the following conclusions. Several other hypotheses must be considered instead. One, there are no specific acupuncture effects at all. True. Two, the specific acupuncture effect is very small and is overlaid by nonspecific effects. True, there exist specific acupuncture effects, the nature of which is still unknown, that lead to symptom improvement independent of point selection and depth of needling. They just can't quite bring themselves to say that classic Chinese acupuncture is a crock. And then they conclude, and this is again a quote, Acupuncture constitutes a strong therapy alternative to multimodal conventional therapy. No, it doesn't. Fake acupuncture does. Acupuncture gives physicians a promising and effective treatment option for chronic low back pain. No, it doesn't. Fake acupuncture does. Why go through all the trouble of time, expense, and deep needles when you can get the same effect doing virtually nothing? The funny thing about all these trials in acupuncture and other alternative medicines when you read them is how they are unable to come to the conclusion that what they're doing is basically a crock. It would really be interesting to do an acupuncture study that had forearms. 
one group who got acupuncture, half of whom were told it's acupuncture and half of whom were told it's sham, and then a sham group, half of whom were told it's acupuncture and half of whom were told it's sham. This would help sort out the physiologic overlay versus any real physiologic effect, if any, from sticking needles in people. But to my read right now, the score is real acupuncture, zero. Study two, and this time I'm using binary numerical representation of numbers, acupuncture and low blood pressure. High blood pressure or hypertension is nice. And this trial is called a randomized trial of acupuncture to lower blood pressure. And this is nice for once in that we have a objective measurement that is reasonably repeatable and accurate. Now in this study, they randomized patients to get real Chinese acupuncture. This consisted of 72 patients or fake acupuncture. And this consisted of 68 patients for a six week course of therapy. Each person got 22 sessions of about 30 minutes duration. Now, of interest in this study is that it took place in Germany. All the acupuncturists were trained in China and none spoke German. So, unless the Germans spoke Chinese, it was unlikely that the acupuncturist accidentally misspoke and let the patient know if they were in a treatment or a sham group. There was no placebo group, although in my opinion both were in a placebo group, and the patients were continued on their antihypertensive agents. Now, they did their blood pressure by a curious way, which is hooking them up to a machine that measured the blood pressure over a 24-hour period, taking it 15 minutes during the day and every 30 minutes at night, and they also did it during exercise. The results of the study? Well, the systolic blood pressure between baseline and six weeks, which was the primary outcome, decreased by about six millimeters in the acupuncture group and only one millimeter in the fake acupuncture group, although by 12 weeks, everybody's blood pressure was back to where it was. So it would appear in this study that when compared to sham acupuncture, real acupuncture lowers the blood pressure by about 6 millimeters, which isn't bad. Or does it? Look at the paper. It's downloadable and it's crappy. The study group, to judge from patient characteristics, suggested that the sham group was both fatter and on more medications at baseline. So they were a group with at least certainly more potential for refractory hypertension. And of interest, the sham group had a slight but not significant increase in their blood pressure with the therapy. Also in this study, 12% of the patients were lost to follow-up. So when you have small numbers of patients and then you lose 12% of them, your data is increasingly questionable. And then look at table two in this study. Table two consists of a four by 16 table of blood pressures and their measurements, depending on whether or not they were measured during the day and over the course of the study. So they had a total of 64 data points. Five of these data points showed significant difference. However, 59 of the data points were not significantly different, and there were huge error bars. Now, if you have a small number of patients and you measure a large number of data points, you will find small differences in populations, and these differences will probably disappear once you increase the number of patients in the study. My take on this particular study on hypertension and acupuncture is that what we're seeing here is the usual result of some minor data clustering that's due to small numbers and poor selection in your patient population. Have there been prior studies using acupuncture to treat hypertension? There was. There was a prior study of 192 patients who received either sham or real acupuncture and it didn't do diddly. 
Now, this study, instead of measuring 24-hour blood pressures and averaging, they used the old standard, put a cuff on the patient, take three blood pressures and average them out. So there are two studies all told that look at the result of acupuncture and blood pressure. One good study shows no effect. One not-so-good study shows maybe an effect. So right now, the score is acupuncture zero, reality three. Two other studies I'll mention in passing looked at the results of acupuncture on patients with rheumatoid arthritis. And the question that these studies really ask is, why does this crap get done, much less published? So they take a disease with a lot of variability in its clinical course, like rheumatoid arthritis. You treat a small number of patients with a therapy that has no reason to work. You follow them for a short period of time and publish the results. And you get crap, 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 and more crap. Not surprisingly, neither study demonstrated any benefit from acupuncture, but more importantly, neither study demonstrated that they even needed to be done in the first place. The last is a tidbit that was published at a meeting and has not yet gone through the peer review process, and so it's not the typical article that I like to read for this podcast. However, it is of interest because of the results. And in this study, they looked at chemotherapy-induced nausea and vomiting in 215 patients. Now, the patients either got acupuncture or a device that faked acupuncture. Rather than just putting the needles in a little bit, they had needles that were in a sheath, and the sheath retracted around the needle to make it look like the needle went in, and the patients couldn't tell if the needle went in, so they basically had nothing done to them. Both groups believed that they got acupuncture. Both groups thought it was effective. Both groups would do the acupuncture again, even though half of them basically had nothing done to them. And most importantly, both groups had the same amount of nausea and vomiting. So this is an interesting question with regards to alternative medicine that I have asked before. If a patient is subjectively improved but not objectively improved, are they better? And again, what's better? I don't know, not without sounding like Bill Clinton trying to parse the meaning of what is is. And is it ethical to lie to a patient and give them a therapy you know is ludicrous, but make them think they are better when they are not, and take money for it? I don't really know. There's a lot of gray hair. Gray hair? Yes, I have gray hair. There's a lot of gray here, not black and white, but these are real-life problems that practicing physicians have to deal with every day and all medicine practitioners get to ignore. But then they have it easy. They believe their lies. They think they are making patients better. Patients think they are better, or so they say, and they get to ignore any and all data that would make them change or stop their practice. I am still so jealous. Tonight on Quack Watch, we look at the Human Genome Product, which has identified 22,000 genes in the human genome, and tonight has identified the genes responsible for meridians and for the flow of key. It turns out they are located on chromosome 12, and it's on a gene that's called the BLSHT gene. It turns out this gene codes for a protein responsible for meridians and the flow of qi. No, not really. Just kidding. But think about it. Every time you hear some alternative medicine nonsense, ask the uber-reductionist question, 
what genes code for this process. Because every process I know of is coded for by genes. DNA makes RNA, makes protein, makes everything. It's way more complicated than that in the details, but this is the basic sequence that makes us what we are. Everything we are it comes from the genes. So if someone tells you that your key is being blocked or that your energy is off, ask them, well, which genes code for this? If they give you some BS about emerging complexity or quantum mechanics or the fact that you're a narrow-minded tool of the Western scientific process, then you know they're just talking out their ass. And so that's it. The end of another podcast. So let's make a list of the things you need to do today. One, log on iTunes, write me a glowing review. Two, log on to iTunes and download The Skeptic's Guide to the Universe so they can get to 30,000 listeners. Three, stay healthy and get the flu vaccine, which you already have done. So, as always, this podcast is brought to you by Pusware.com, where you will find the Persiflazers podcast, a bi-monthly review of infectious diseases, where you can get type 1 CME. It's copyright 2006 from the Creative Commons. The references are online. Send your hate mail, spam, and questions to knowitall at quackcast.com. I will eventually answer your email. Promise. I just find it somehow onerous to do for reasons I still haven't figured out because I quite frankly have a great bunch of people who take the time and interest to listen to me, and I thank you all. The music is, as always, by my son when he was 12. He's now 14, improvising on the guitar. The only thing he does better than that is hit the golf ball. So hopefully there's a college education in it for him. And as always, thank you and stay healthy. As mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, this is a re-podcast because I accidentally, well, it wasn't accidentally, I deliberately included 15 minutes of silence as my homage to Kurt Cobain and the album Nevermind. There's a 10-minute episode of silence at the end of the album. You think it's the end of the album, and then it pops into the last song. And if you have your stereo on 22 and you don't know that, it can scare the hell out of you while you're driving down the road. But anyway, since I published the podcast, I got a letter from a gentleman in Essen, Germany, named Patrick Pricken, who has a skeptical podcast in German with the wonderful name Deranged Insights. He sent me a reference to an article for about the German back pain acupuncture study. Now, the article is in German, and the only languages I am fluent in or English and internal medicine. I do, however, speak a smattering of quackery. But I will read his analysis of this German article and will have the reference on the podcast site. He says, quote, There it says that as a prospective payment for doing all the study, all participants were eligible for 10 acupuncture sessions, no matter the outcome or the study group. So patients were already inclined to believe in acupuncture over conventional medicine, it seems. Also, if the interviews after 10 sessions made it seem like the acupuncture was successful, then five more sessions were scheduled as part of the trial, which may have led to patients exaggerating the success just to get more treatment. Parentheses, though conventional treatment could also be prolonged in this way, in parentheses. This makes the results of the study even less impressive, I think. End quote. Well, thank you for that letter. And for those of you who are interested in the original German, the link will be on my website. And now this ends our addendum to the new podcast, which should trip out at about 
28 minutes long. Thanks. Bye.